too much mental bandwidth taken on poop. Welcome to episode 65 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-hosts tonight are Dade and Lenore. We're talking about productivity advice, where it comes from, wage gap, and the broness of all things productivity. But first, let's talk about what we're drinking, eating, consuming, and all the other fun stuff we're putting into our eye and ear holes. Dade, what are you consuming? Um, right now, I am drinking water because I need to stop drinking stuff with sugar in it. I've been living on soda, sadly, for the past week, and that's not very good. Um, I'm also going to be eating fajitas. I promise I'll put mute on so you won't hear me. But Gina is the real MVP tonight. I just got home from work. So she's making dinner while I'm recording. So I appreciate her. Um, So what am I excited about? So the did either of you see the new Baron Fig Vanguard, the limited edition New York City? No, I saw the ads for it. I love them so much. Whether or not I need more notebooks is to be debated, but I really like the artwork on them. Um, so I haven't gotten an email from Baron Fig yet. I don't know if they're, was it like a soft release, Lenore? You know how that, that the group, sometimes they mine the website for links and then post them before the stuff is actually out. Right. Yes. Um, cause I didn't get an advertising email or a review email. So regardless, I think, uh, I'll, I'll get them anyway. Um, also, I thought of you less. I saw this today. Field mm. Notes sent me an email and usually I delete them because Field Notes. <laughs> but uh I opened it up because I was at work and I was bored and it's the new XOXO edition. I did see that, but I didn't look closely at it. I kind of scrolled a little bit and went, eh, delete. So I, it was on my phone. I thought of you because it, um so you saw what they look like. Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> I didn't go that far down. They're, they're, the covers are watercolor. Um, no, my like, interest is peaked. Uh, they're beautiful. But I thought of you See, because now you got her. I, I thought that it's something that you could do with no brand because you were talking about using different, um, you know, different covers and different stuff like that. And I don't know. The, mm. the minute I saw them, I said less. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I won't, I won't get them. But I just thought they were pretty anyway. So that has popped up on my radar. Um, mm. Also, so for my universe, I've been really, really busy. I've been working on grad school essays. I'm only applying to one school. Some may say that that is not a good idea, but whatever. Uh, I but, only applied to one school for grad school. So the school needs five essays. So, yeah, I've been working on that. Um I also got a new job assignment at the college that I work at. I will be teaching developmental English to students in the early childhood program. So essentially <sighs> what, what this, the college is doing is they're moving towards, cause this is where the money is, uh, certificate programs. Um, cause enrollment's down, but the, you know, trades and certificate programs are uh, enrollment is up. So they just started a CDA licensing, um, childhood development associate, I think it's called. So these students have to take the placement test and place into English 101. Well, these are students that placed into 095 or 085. So, you know, they can read and write, but not at the college level. 
So it's a, it's a quick like seven week course. So basically for the next, you know, two months, I will be, uh, spending my Saturdays helping, um, hopefully, um, helping them improve their test scores. So when they take it again, they will pass. So that's been my focus really. So I really haven't had time to do much of anything else, but I have switched to analog gaming for a bit. So I've been playing uh, Lord of the Rings, the living card game. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. I don't want to get into it. That's a whole other podcast in itself. But that's really what's been going on with me. Uh, Lenore, what about you? Sorry, unless I was coughing and I had it muted. Um, wow, these field notes are so pretty. Holy cow. I just got sucked in. Um, I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be like back on the line with both of you at the same time this is this is amazing same i'm so happy you're here and dave's here it's awesome it's wonderful um so let's see uh it's been a lot of work and family stuff and that's been like most of it and i've got a few side hustles going on right now not anything interesting just you know more nerd stuff but um you know, it's fun and it's keeping me busy. Um, Jim Butcher is just apparently coming out with the six years delayed newest Dresden Files book, you know, so about time on that. Um, I'm sitting here drinking a Chardonnay that somebody brought to my house and I, I'm not a huge wine drinker and I almost never drink white wine, but Chardonnay I can drink sometimes, but I just, I just don't like it. You know, it's been like four years since I've had a glass of Chardonnay and I just, I don't like it. And somebody, I kid you not, brought this bottle to our house when we had some neighbors over on Sunday and opened it and there was not anything taken out of it. It was just open. It was sitting open and full on the table at the end of the evening. So now I feel like I need to drink it. Um, oh, yeah, I'm doing a full angel watch with Spawn. And she hasn't seen like we finished all of Buffy and we'd watched a couple of episodes of Angel, but she wasn't really into it. Now she's totally into it. So we're watching Angel and we're still in season two. So that's we're about lined up with the Angel on Top podcast actually right now. But we're about to pull ahead of them. So that's fun. And, um, I am going to order, I haven't ordered yet the Baron Fig Fanatic Squire, but I'm going to get one cause it's purple and I want a freaking purple Squire. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, other than that, not much going on in the stationary stuff I've just been using lately rather than accumulating more. Back to you, Les. All right. Um, so I, I've been watching a lot of TV work has been super intense, been a lot of stuff going on the holiday season the ramp up to the holiday season is always kind of dials everything up to 11 for treatment centers it's they're just triggering for a lot of people so it's a lot of a lot of issues crop up around this time of year and halloween in salem mass is not okay it's just it's a mess of traffic um Salem is set up with like they paved over old cow paths. So there's no it's not like a straight, nice grid. There are all these twisty, turny cobblestone streets that are super narrow and everyone drives these giant SUVs now. And then right now people are just like there's so many people on the streets there for the holiday season that literally 
I took a corner and there was a group of tourists standing in the middle of the street, which is not like a quiet street. It's a busy street taking pictures of something that was not particularly historic. I, it was actually they were standing in front of bunghole liquors, taking a picture of bunghole liquors, which is a, it's a packy. It's a, you know, booze shop. So <laughs> that's what people were taking pictures of. It was like so ridiculously stupid. I'm like, really? You're going to almost die for that? That whatever. Um, so anyway, I've been watching a lot of TV. I um, right now I'm binge watching Sabrina, the new series on Netflix. I'm really enjoying it. And it's um, for someone who grew up in a sort of evangelical Baptist um background like that's the the churches that i went to as a child were evangelical baptist um hearing someone say hail satan on tv is like it still takes me aback it's like i can't believe they're putting that on tv kind of thing um so there's a lot of like really creepy stuff but i'm really enjoying the the tv show itself um i also got queer baited into watching the new batwoman because it's um, the Batwoman character, Kate Keen is, is it Kate Keen or Kate, whatever, Kane, Kate Kane is a lesbian and very open about it on the show. So I was like, well, I guess I, I mean, actual main lesbian character who's supposed to be butch-ish, but nah, sort of. Um, so anyway, um, I'm watching that and, oh goodness, Ruby Rose cannot act that she is so bad um and rachel scarston is in it and she is just like owning it her alice character is unbelievably well played and she's just so good and she just makes ruby rose look that much worse so anyway i have a lot more enjoyment for Rachel Scarston that I did before I started watching this show. So uh, there's, if there's one good thing that comes out of it is Rachel Scarston getting more acting jobs. Um, Cause she's actually doing really well with this, this character. Um, and I got a little piece of happy mail in the mail. It's called the little book of pencils by Allison. I don't know if she wants her last name on set on the air, but it's, we'll go with H Allison H. Um, and I'll let you guys know how you guys, you two can get a copy of it. I don't know if she's selling them. She's just trading them, but it's the cutest little, I don't know if it's hand bound, but it's perfect, perfect bound. It's got a bright yellow cover um, with all these little drawings she did and really beautiful writing that she's had printed up. And it's like a little bit of information about pencils. So it's really cute and very enjoyable. So I, I, I really enjoy that. Maybe I'll take a picture of it and make it our, our um, podcast photo. Um, oh, that's wonderful. It's really cute. Really, really cute. Um, oh, and we should. Oh, are, are you going on with that same? I'm going is there on more to like, about that book. No, I'm going on the next topic. Oh, okay, go. Um, so the the next thing that I do want to talk about, I haven't had a chance to review it yet. It is the Baron Fig Trace. Have either of you seen this yet? Yes. I did, but Not I passed in person, on it. But on the, on okay. the website. Okay, so. I said yes, and I and I said yes, even though I had some qualms. Um, so I'm going to start with those qualms. First off, I hate tracing. I tracing makes me anxious. 
I, I find it um, unnerving and stressful to attempt to follow someone else's line. Um, that said, this book is a piece of eye candy. I don't want to trace the things. It's got their beautiful barren fig cream colored paper. The cover, first off, let's start talking about the cover. The cover is hunter green with orange lines and the stitching is orange. It is beautiful. And it's got that Vanguard texture. So it feels really good. And so it starts off with this like color opposite thing going on the front and it's just beautiful. It's really gorgeous. And you open it up and inside are all these little line drawings. Um, they're not continuous line drawings as, um, I can't remember who said that they were continuous, but they're not continuous line drawings. They're contour drawings. Um, and they're, they're beautiful. It's really, really gorgeous line work. And I don't, I don't want to trace them. It would make a fine coloring book, I think, for some people. Um, but and I was thinking, well, maybe I would give it to my nephew to color. And then I'm looking through and then there's a picture of a guy with uh, multiple piercings in his face. It's a rather adult kind of surrealist kind of series of images. Not I mean, maybe for some kids, maybe maybe teenagers, it would be really cool as a coloring book. Um, but I wouldn't give it to my nephew. I think it might might be nightmare fodder for him. There's some really like childlike stuff like a kid blowing bubbles and an astronaut. Um there is a rock stack in here that I, I hate those. Um, and an empty, eh, there's all kinds of like, there's an empty suit and a suit, sitting suit with a cat's head, some abstract. So it's really beautiful, but I just, um, from a fair, also looking at it from a therapeutic stance. Um, I don't know that there's any actual research showing that tracing things are relaxing or meditative. I can imagine and I know there's been research on mark making and making lines and that being therapeutic and relaxing. And we do know that coloring, there's actual research on coloring and how coloring things, no matter the pattern, it doesn't have to be a mandala. It could be like a series of squares or circles or whatever on paper. There's research to back up that that actually becomes meditative and relaxing. I don't know that there's any actually evidence to support tracing. Um, that said, this is a lover, lovely coloring book. Um, and I'm not, I'm still not quite sure. At, well, I think that's, I just said what my review would be is that it's a lovely coloring book. Yeah. My thoughts, you know, when they, when they used language like, you know, uh, mindfulness or like, like, I don't know, like the, the intent behind it is, good but i was i kind of side-eyed it because like you last like i agree that coloring i've read the papers myself there is so much out there on on coloring and the the positives it does i'm not going to get into it but yeah the one thing that i think it does do um which is not as not as exciting sounding is i have actually traced before um not mm -hmm. in any kind of like tracing book but there was a time when my anxiety was really bad. And so um, I found that like, it was comfortable for me to trace an image out of a book and then color it in. But mm -hmm. the fact that I was focused on something. So yeah. I think there's validity to the fact that sure, you're tracing, it takes focus, it takes presence of mind to do it. But like, I don't know, like, I, I didn't get it. Because like you, I don't enjoy tracing. So the the tracing, um, in the book so is it like alternating pages 
No, it's um, like so. It you're, the out? intent to trace it is to is to draw a darker line directly on top of the orange line. Okay. So the whole thing is done in pale orange ink on cream paper. Okay. So the intent is that you go over it with with another marker and just trace the lines. Got it. Because I didn't even like I said I I didn't it didn't interest me at all. So I didn't even look at it. Um, but cool. Maybe yeah. I will pick uh, it up for a coloring um, book. Well, is it the normal paper? Yeah, it's their normal paper, which I love. I mean, the next time I see a date, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'll, I'd be happy to pass this on to you, you know, so you don't have to buy it, because um, I don't think I'm going to color. I don't. I'm someone who, for whom coloring and tracing is, I don't find it to be therapeutic. I don't find it to be relaxing. And I mean, what the research says basically about all of this stuff and what I've seen in practice is that tracing, coloring, whatever it is that works for the person, it's mainly to distract them from what's going on in their head in that moment. And in some senses, some of that is meditative and maybe a little mindful, but it doesn't work in the same way as meditation or actual mindful practices. It works on the brain in a slightly different fashion, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, if you're going to get all like evidency and stuff, geez. Well... Yeah. And see, so I also have, that's, that's another side of this is how do I, how do I actually review this as an art therapist? Because that is what my degree is in. And I spend my days teaching people or helping people use art as a therapeutic tool. And for a lot of people who are art therapists, when art, art, Art therapy isn't a protected trademark, and maybe it should be, um, but maybe it's also too generic. I don't know. But a lot of coloring books are marketed as art therapy, um, and they're not. That's not – coloring is not art therapy. And also, when you go to many groups or if if you go to an inpatient setting, coloring is often – call art therapy we're gonna have you go to art therapy group and everyone gets coloring pages that's that's not art therapy that's not how art therapy works and that's not what art therapy looks like right and art therapy is not mind well it has many similar effects as mindfulness but it is a different way of processing our mental state than verbal so it's it's just another way of processing, just like verbal therapy is. But I'm getting on a soapbox and totally off onto a tangent. Um, but that is to say that I think for many people, Trace will make a very, very nice coloring book that they will enjoy a lot. And it's going to be really great for people who might want to use something like fountain pens to color with because Baron Fig paper is perfectly lovely with fountain pens. So it's going to give a lot of people a lot of options for a tool for distraction. When you start talking about this, I'm always thinking about the people who think they know a lot of chemistry because they've memorized the periodic table. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like, uh, okay. (laughs) You don't actually know any chemistry at all just from memorizing the periodic table, but okay. If it makes you feel good, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I, I am looking at it on the, um, on the Baron Fig web, website. Cause I hadn't, you know, I've kind of given it a cursory glance and it's actually, you guys know, I love me some Baron Fig, mm-hmm. but it's been really 
kind of freeing to me when they came out with some stuff I didn't care for and I didn't buy it. Like I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I had to have it. So I don't have the gather. I don't have the grow. I don't have the wander. Um, I don't have the, the fortress click cause I don't want the click. I don't like click pins, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this is uh, looking at this. Um, I just thought I would point out, I think it's worth pointing out that it's $15 for one and the regular vanguards that size are $12 for the three pack. So it's, you know, as a notebook, it's, significantly expensive as a coloring book yeah. Yeah, it's pretty typical for a you know adult coloring book kind of thing so yeah that's fine and i'm you know like i'm intrigued by it but not enough to spend 15 dollars on one when i would then just not end up doing mm-hmm. anything with it because i feel like i had to do something special with it you know yeah i i just you know and also that orange and green thing is It's so gorgeous. The cover, you know, the cover of it is so pretty in the picture. But that's the thing that always makes me feel a little seasick when I see it in person through my glasses because the chromatic aberration Uh. in my glasses makes it sort of do that lift off the page kind of thing when there's high contrast colors like that. So I'm not even sure. I always dig that kind of contrast thing. I I don't get it. I don't wear glasses, but... I love that kind of like chromatic thing. I I don't know. It's really pretty, but through my glasses, it makes the orange kind of float off the green. And so if I'm looking at it too much, it's very distracting and, Mm. and, and can be just a little bit, uh, motion sickness inducing. So I can see that, but it's so pretty. So pretty. Yeah. It's very gorgeous. Um, so the last thing that I kind of want to touch on here before we get into our main topic is the demise of Yahoo Groups. Um, were either of Which you was on Yahoo off my Groups? Radar. Nope, not even no. a little bit. It, not even like early and back in the day? Back in the day I, it was. Yeah. You had to have friends. Yeah. Okay. Well, I used to be in a lot of Yahoo groups. Like when, or gosh, it was like, what, early 2000s when those were like real, real big. Um, there were a lot of art space groups. I was so, just on LiveJournal back then. Oh, I, I was on that too. But Yahoo groups was a really organized way for folks to share information about art and art materials and art how-tos. So sharing that, you know, there were people who were doing altered journals, altered books and art journaling. Um, there was all kinds of just huge amounts of art information on Yahoo groups and Zentangles was a thing that started out on Yahoo groups. Um, so there are all these like, groups that were just so rich and people really got into them and there's so much information that database must be gargantuan and um, the last yahoo group i joined was for the art and expressive therapies group for my graduate program that's how they kept track of everything and they there were job postings um, all kinds of information that was disseminated through this Yahoo group. And I basically got a, you know, email a day with tons of information about job postings and things that people were like, people were looking for referrals and things like that. And now we're transferring over to Google groups, which I wonder how long that's going to last. But 
um, just tremendous amount of information. And I'm, I don't know, it's like one of those things that I, I've kind of left behind in my life, but I'm kind of miss, like, I'm sad too. It's like, oh, goodbye, old friend. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that's going bye-bye. So, are we ready for our main topic? I wanted to put in a really quick plug for, um, I think Andy just announced the uh, topic for the new plumbago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's coming up. He did. So if anybody's interested in that, it's like short things. So if you're interested in submitting that, go check it out. Go cool. look it up. All right. So, Dade, last words before we go into the main topic? Nope. I am ready and ready to go. All right. So I didn't quite finish Atomic Habits, and I posted to our Facebook group kind of a, here's where I'm at with the book. And there was a lot of response. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about our particular Facebook group is the sort of depth and breadth of response. It's just so rich and I great. love it so much. I mean, we are connected to some really smart thoughtful, passionate people. And I love it. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just trying to bring up the actual posts that I put up. Um, so basically I kind of like posted about my thoughts where I was at with the, with the book. Did you find it? It's October 18. It didn't go down too far. Uh, I'm my computer's being slow right now. <laughs> so I'm just scrolling, scrolling through trying to find that. There we are. All right. So basically, like I was I was as I was reading it and a lot of the stuff in Atomic Habits is superficially CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm kind of getting into therapy mode again. Um, so maybe I wasn't on so much of a tangent earlier. Um, CBT is substantiated to work over the short term, the understanding um, of it is that it's works short term, but longer term, you need to work on the underlying issues of the problem. So CBT is often the bandaid, if you will. Um, and I really think that clears understanding, or at least as it's presented in atomic habits is pretty basic. Um, and it doesn't sort of explore the depth of, <sighs> why people create bad habits. Um, it sort of is, um, I'm trying to, I'm having trouble finding the right words for it that are kind. Um, I think he shouldn't have used substance abuse or addiction as a supporting example so often because it really, um, I think showed some bias on his part and a, as someone who works with substance abuse and folks with, substance abuse every day um he doesn't get it and hasn't done the work to get it um so the other side of it is also his book doesn't work for poor people because one of the things that he recommends is having a de device and a space for every job or work that you're doing. And frankly if you're if you're working fast food, you've got a place to do that work. But do you really if your side hustle is doing a bunch of other things, you're not going to be able to afford to have an iPad or a tablet for every single division of your labor. It's just, it's not realistic. 
Um, and then he also like he really focuses uh, on diet and exercise and living healthy um, and whatever that may mean to him. And so he's talking about preparing fresh veggies on the weekend. That means that a person can actually afford to buy fresh veggie veggies or buy bulk in that moment. And or I know that they have people, a weekend or, or do they have a weekend or are they working five days a week at a 40 hour job working in the evenings at a part-time job and then also working on either their side hustle or another job on the weekends, because I know a lot of people who do just that. Um, so, you know, they're not actually able to buy fresh veggies or prepare all of them on a weekend, but also, you know, not for nothing. I've done that before. And by the time Thursday rolls around, all your stuff is slimy and then you end up getting takeout anyway. So whatever. Um, and, also, I think that there's some ignoring the support and help of having a partner gives to the being able to have that ability to be able to prepare your fresh veggies on the weekend. Because are they? Is this guy actually preparing those fresh veggies or is his wife doing it or is his partner doing it? Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think there could have been some work in the book to really examine privilege. And I, I do, I think that the book could be really helpful for many people in terms of exploring some of the ideas around CBT and as an introductory manual. Um, and for maybe for people who've never heard of some of these con concepts or operant conditioning and things like that, it's really based off of, you know, if you have a thing that you want to strive for, figure out what your habits are that keep you from going for that thing that you're trying to strive for. Um, and he does a lot with identity. I'm going to open up my tablet here and, and look at my notes from, from reading the book. Cause they're all, I didn't, sometimes I do paper based notes and those are usually much easier for podcasting. Um, but as I was reading, I just highlighted a bunch of something. Um, so some of his stuff is really boiled down. So like one of his quotes is, and it's on, well, it doesn't give me actual pages. It gives me location, location 431. Outcomes are about what you get. Processes are about what you do. Identity is about what you believe. Now, these three things are basically what Clear um, really goes in depth into as to how do you build these new habits. So on location 435, the alternative um, towards other ways of building habits is to build identity-based habits. With this approach, you start focusing on what you wish to become. So the idea is that you then start to identify with the thing that you want. Again, this is a lot of CBT type stuff. Um, and then basically you want to also identify your beliefs. And if you look further back in terms of productivity books, this goes right back to getting things done. A lot of this stuff is, what are the things that you want to do? Well, let's make a list about those things. Um, and so a lot of this identity-based stuff is, I'm trying to remember who came up with it, but it is a CBT model. And I'm blanking on it, but it's, it's pretty easy to find a lot of this stuff. Um, behavior that is incongruent with the self will not last. Well, yes and no. A lot of people out there hooked on heroin who want to stop using heroin and using heroin has nothing to do with their identity, but it has a whole hell of a lot to do with the pain and suffering that they are 
having throughout their daily life because of things that were entirely out of their control and trauma that occurred in their childhood. And, you know, that's not congruent with who they are, who they want to be and who they are as a core central part of their self. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll stop harping, harping on atomic habits. Um, and I've been gone on a bit of a tangent. Either of you have any thoughts? Well, I definitely agree with you on all of your points. Mm. I couldn't even get past the reviews of the book to open it. So a lot of times when I, when I buy a book, I don't read the reviews because I want to form my own opinions, but I had heard what you had said and I was like, all right, you know, like I trust less opinion. And then I just happened to like look online um, at some of the reviews. And because if you go on Amazon, it has five stars. There's like very little one star reviews. But when you start looking at reviews from other places, um, I'd say more than half say that it was pretty much just some dude talking about himself. Um, and like it was, he was just completely egotistical. And a lot of the things either weren't for me or were things I didn't know already or things that I did not have access to. And that kind of circles me back around to the biggest thing I agree with is the fact that, you know, a lot of these productivity ideas and programs and books and whatever, um, assume that you have a certain amount of capital, um, whether that be social or financial capital. Um, I don't have the luxury of having a device for everything. Um, I do have to work weekends, you know, I also have a partner that has several jobs that can't cut my vegetables for me, (laughs) you know? So I think that, that in their bubble, it's great, but anyone outside of that bubble is just not, not, not welcome. It's not even like there's a concession. There's just straight up exclusion. I feel, um, because while preparing for this episode, I, you know, just read some of the, some cursory things online and, and a lot of people say the same thing that, you know, in theory, these ideas are okay, borderline great, but that's if you have the perfect conditions set up for them at times, you know? So sure. If I worked a nine to five, had free weekends and made six figures, this would be wonderful. I could buy a, and- you know. And your, you know, your parents paid for your undergrad or your graduate um, and all of your schooling. So you don't have any bills. So therefore, you can afford to buy a home or maybe even, you know, your parents helped you buy your home and you don't have the crushing weight of school debt. Right. Um, I don't know. Whenever I think of any kind, when I think of the word productivity and team it up with Um, anything from bullet journaling to getting things done, atomic habits, all that stuff. If we're playing like word association or image association, the first thing I think of is a corporate dude, like the word productivity in general. I just think of corporate of, you know, a life that I'll never know pretty much. Mm. I think that I I would disagree with you a little bit with bullet journaling um, because it's so open-ended. Uh, the rest of it, absolutely. All of the other productivity stuff, I agree 100%. It's white collar, certain demographic of bro. Yeah, and I, I will amend my, my bullet journaling statement. Not all bullet journaling. Um, I think that you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> Hashtag you're right. not all, not all men. Right, right. <laughs> I think you're right. Because I, thinking 
about how I, 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 I wouldn't, I guess I'd have to call it bullet journaling. What I do in my own personal way of, of writing things down and, and such. I guess there's just a large section of the community that I've been exposed to that has been toxic. But you're right, Les. Um, it's not bullet journaling is a different kind of beast. Yeah. In a good I, way. Yeah. I, and I think that's a little separate. I think because it's, it focuses more on the method itself and less on behavior. Well, it's also behavior because it also talks about like do, doing a practice. And maybe it's because he calls it a practice and also does it himself. Um, and it's not, it doesn't seem as performative than some of the other productivity methods where there's a whole lot of stuff going on with them. There's like it, the guruification of, yes. and I, I'm not saying that Ryder Carroll is exempt from the guruification of bullet journaling because uh, he is to a certain extent a bit of a guru. And, and you know what I mean in that term? Yeah, um, totally. That's a little different from some of this other stuff where a lot of of the like I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm, I said I wasn't going to, but I'm going to do it. Getting things done as an example. Um, the majority of David Allen's business, it used to be he ran other businesses. His entire business now is getting things done. Yes. Right. And and that there's a whole lot of productivity stuff and business dude stuff that is all wrapped up in the business of the business. Um, There was one that was going around for a while um, called the bootstrappers method of getting your business going. And the whole business was selling the business, if that makes sense. Like there, there was no real business there other than I'm going to uh, have you come in and take my workshop pay $175 or $250 for this workshop for the day. And you leave with this information, a little binder full of stuff, maybe one of my books and maybe a little click pen. Um, and, and like, there's, that's the business, the business, the product is you. It goes back to what I was saying last week. And maybe I just need to get a tinfoil hat. Um, but all these people are basically trying to tell you how to run a business, but their business is selling how to run a business. And this all of the reminds me of the thing with the, um, multi-level marketing where the companies make much more money from selling the, uh, stuff about how to run a business to their sales associates than they actually do selling whatever product it is. Yeah. You know? Like literally the business, the way that the business makes money is by getting people into the business, not by selling a product. And that just, it just seems really gross to me. I mean, it's fine, right? It's capitalism. Mm -hmm. You can sell anything that people will buy, but I don't want to be part of buying how to sell things, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, if you're you're buying the marketing. Yeah. If your company is just literally making its money by bringing on new schmoes to become marketers for it. Like then that's, that's gross and that's not, it's not productive, you know? And yeah, I don't know. It just, it just really bothers me. And I kind of feel the same way about this. And I hadn't even, this book was completely off my radar until you had posted about it. 
But um, every time I get into anything about productivity and changing habits and stuff, it's al- it almost always feels to me like those articles that are talking about how you'd be a lot less poor if you quit spending five dollars on your latte yeah stop stop buying your coffee and at the end of the year you'll buy a house do your manicure at home instead of going out and i'm like dude (laughs) like you know actual poor people by and large you know are not you know those are not things that they can cut because they're not doing them you know so like it's it's just so um it's so tone deaf and it's so, you know, ignorant of, of what people are really dealing with. And it's therefore unhelpful. And then, you know, there were a couple of great articles that were that people linked from that post in the group on Facebook about, you know, uh, advice for, you know, for how women I'd like, um, productivity hacks for single moms from me, a man with an MBA that was just hilarious and so spot on. And, um, you know, kind of like the man who has it all Twitter feed, Mm -hmm. you know, that one so good. And it just, it's, it's just comical to me. And I, back when I first started reading, even just the getting things done, right. When I first started reading that, I didn't have the language to explain you know, to really even articulate to myself why it just felt so uncomfortable, irritating, Mm. you know, and it was just because it was so tone deaf. It was like, well, good for you emptying your mailbox at the end of every day. But, you know, guess what? I have to leave to go pick up my kid before the daycare closes. (laughs) And there's still some emails sitting there. And they're going to sit there till tomorrow because it is not possible for me to stay at work for 10 more minutes, you know, even if I could get it done in 10 more minutes, it's not possible. And, you know, like I'm a college professor with, I've got, I've got privilege coming out my wazoo and I still don't have the ability, like I just literally don't have the ability to do some of the things that they're considering as completely indispensable. And for a while, I was feeling like that was a failure on my part. Like if I were better, I'd be doing this. This is the Mm. thing I should be doing. And now I'm just like, screw that. That's not, (laughs) it's not, I'm not the problem here, right? Like I'm not the problem. And, um, that was, that was very freeing. And I've, I've mostly quit even bothering to click on productivity stuff since then, because Mm. it so rarely has anything that's actually applicable to my life now that I can, clearly evaluate that yeah hashtag rant over (laughs) so i did a little search on amazon for productivity for women or over 2000 results first two were just planners then atomic habits came up and i think some of this is just because of the algorithms for my search results um then another planner and oddly the dolly parton movie nine to five from from the early 80s either of you seen that great movie quite enjoyable. Yes, um, we actually just rented it a couple of weeks ago and it's hilarious. It's held it, up. It really it yeah, Dolly Parton just amazing. Uh more planners than the bullet journal method, more planners than finally eight deep into the search, a book by a woman. Then more books by men. And then most interestingly, I thought this was the most interesting book in the entire search was a book called The Optimized Woman, a productivity book that urges women to plan their life around their period. Because 
Why? I don't know. Naturally? Um, No. I, I don't, I don't really get it. I mean, I live my life. I don't need to live it surrounding my, like based on aunt Flo. Um, Plus not all women get periods. This is true. Um, It's a very narrow look of what a woman is, but um, I just don't expect people to be, you know, like, for example, once you hit menopause, you're useless anyway. So, you know, you might as well just, what's the point, right? I am, I am looking forward to shriveling up and dying. Let me tell you that whole, that <laughs> right. like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Menopausal shrivel. We, we do have a fairly narrow uh, societal definition of what constitutes productive for women. This is true. Uh, so after the uh, period book, uh, there were a few more planners, another movie, some stickers, and a watch, then a T-shirt, <laughs> then an actual bullet journal. Um, there's a planner called Boss Lady. And finally, two more productivity books by women and then some more by men. I mean, it was just, um, I don't know, kind of enlightening that there are very few productivity books written by women. And so when I asked Twitter, because I, I was like, okay, so this might, maybe this is a question for Twitter. Maybe Twitter can find me a productivity book by a woman. And, you know, Twitter was basically crickets. And then um, two men gave me some book ideas, Toffer and uh, Harry Marks, friend of the show. Um, so Harry suggested Bored and Brilliant by Manoush Zamarodi, which is, I don't know, I, I know I've mentioned the podcast she used to be on, which was Note to Self, and now she's on Zigzag which is her own production and she does a uh, production. She has a production company called stable genius with her co-host. Um, but her stuff is excellent. All of her things are excellent. And I haven't yet read bored and brilliant because um, well, it's been on a backlog from the library and I should just, when I get off of this, go to Libby and, and see if I can download it. But the whole podcast series around Bored and Brilliant was phenomenal. So everyone should listen to that. Um, And then the other book that was suggested was Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont, which is a writing advice book. But it's also sort of how how do you get it? How do you write a book? Basically, how do you find the time to make to write a book? And um, her advice was to sit down and make it happen. You know, you use a pen that works or sit down at your keyboard and just do it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of advice like that. And I think that, you know, there are a bunch of other books by women, but you have to narrow down into the productivity that you want. So are you looking for writing advice? Are you looking for tech advice? Are you looking for this sort of advice? Um, and you have to narrow it down that way. Um, what about you two? You read any, any predictive productivity books or anything like that, like by women? I don't read any productivity books, period, <laughs> because it creates such anxiety because I'm actually, it's funny that we're talking about productivity and, and this kind of topic, because I'm struggling with some things in my own personal life of, of a lot of what I should be doing, or what mm. I, what I shouldn't do. And so I'm glad I don't read productivity books anymore, or at all, because I think I'd be struggling even more. Um, so no, that that's, that's a no for me. Mm. So I used to read back in the day of blogs. Um, there were a couple of 
of blogs that I followed that, you know, now that you ask that question and I'm thinking about it, really were very formative for me in terms of kind of how I budget my time and what I say no to and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mostly I get by well enough on, you know, kind of my, <laughs> I don't know, like what I do mostly works and it works well enough to get me by. And, you know, it's a little bit different that I had a kid when I was older and, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of doing the mom of young kid thing when I'm not a young mom. So that's really different, I think. Um, and that just, it, it cut things down to the bones to a large extent. Um, one of the, one of the blogs I used to read was female science professor. And I love her voice, like the way that she approached things was just so fabulous. And it was really formative for me as I was kind of, you know, in my, um, you know, in my first teaching job where I got tenure and then in my current job, um, it was really formative for me and kind of how to think about things. And then there was a column in the Chronicle of Higher Education called Ms. Mentor that was really great advice about things. But no, I haven't really done any productivity books. I've read articles on GTD and I've adopted stuff from here and there, you know, that basically just makes it good enough that I can function. And then I have not made a hobby out of productivity fetish reading. And I think Mm. for a lot of people, you know, the, the, the productivity, like reading about productivity becomes sort of a hobby in and of itself. Yeah. And that also doesn't appeal to me. (laughs) Like that does not look like an enjoyable hobby to me. Just like spending hours decorating my bullet journal does not look Mm. like a way I'd like to spend my time. And again, you know, if, if that is, if that feeds somebody's soul, go for it. Absolutely. It doesn't feed my soul. And so, you know, like I've, I, I think I actually signed up for a Pinterest account at some point, but like I clicked (laughs) over to it three or four times and I just never went back because it it was, you know, it just felt like kind of another way to make me feel guilty. And I feel that way about a lot of productivity stuff, you know, like I've already touched on with the, you know, why isn't your inbox at zero? Well, my inbox is never going to be at zero. It's just never going to be, you know, like I, I live my life in a sort of triage kind of pattern and that may not be great, but it works well enough most of the time. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not a great answer to your question, but it is kind of where it's, it's an honest answer to your question. Well, I think so in my history, I started reading productivity blogs and whatnot because, well, number one, I was bored at work. Um, and number two, because I had, I had gotten an office job and I hadn't had an office job in a really, like ever. It was my first office job and I really needed to organize how things flowed through my office because it wasn't, nothing was flowing through my office well. Um, and so I was looking for ways and manners in which to do that. And I think some of the productivity blogs that I read, because what I was doing was um, a more traditional type office job in a way. So 
some of those productivity blogs that I was reading really were helpful. But I think if I just met a decent office manager and been trained in how to do that, it would have been better than reading those blogs because there were some really unrealistic expectations set up by those blogs. And the reality of the way that my job was back then was that I was not going to get to inbox zero. That was just, it was never going to happen. Um, I could have tried and, you know, just not been happy ever. And, you know, I don't think any of that would have, none of it fed my soul. I think it was, some of it was a little soothing in that, oh, okay, I can try this. If I try this, it'll help. And I will say that in terms of getting things done, one of the things that I actually used on a regular basis was sitting down every morning and making a to-do list of the things that, you know, the top five things that were very important and also looking at that to-do list and anything that could be done in five minutes or less doing it right then and there. And that was, I was doing that for a little while and it was super helpful and I kind of just fell off the wagon. So, you know, that might be a habit I need to go back to. And I I think that that, atomic habit. uh, Yeah. um, You mean the writing down the list and doing the five things that the things that take five minutes or less immediately. Yeah, And there was even one that you were supposed to set a timer for 10 minutes before you had to leave your office that you're Mm -hmm. supposed to write down, like what are the top five things you needed to do the next day Mm -hmm. so that you would have to like think about that before you left. Yeah. And that was actually, that was actually really, really big for me. And I then just, like I said, fell off the, uh, fell off the wagon. Yeah. Um, like that was something that I used for a really long time. And I had this, I had stacks of old legal pads where basically I just had a running list of all of the things that needed to be done. And you could see like where the neck one day would start because I would write on the side of the page, like one, two, three, four, five. And then as things would, you know, get done or I would add to my list, there would be additional numbers for that day. And then the next day would start at one. So it was just this like, it wasn't true getting things done, but it was just a sort of, you know, extended list making method that really worked for me processing through stuff. Um, And I don't use it anymore. I, I use the bullet journal method in my, in my bullet journal at work. And I don't use anything for my side hustles anymore right now. Like, and it's one of those things that I've kind of struggled with in terms of, in terms of having a side hustle. Um, I've really had to put a lot onto the back burner and do things that just sort of are distracting and soothing as I deal with the, you know, my family member being really sick and, and things being kind of rough around that. Um, and so knowing that I just don't have the mental capacity to do a lot with no brand notebooks right now. And I really want to, like, there's a lot that I want to do with no brand. Um, but I know that I'm not going to be able to do that until probably December. Like that's, that's the reality of when I'm going to start back up with my notebook making and I will get there. Um, but it was really hard, like being able, like telling myself, okay, so that's, that's just something I'm not going to be able to do. Like, I have to put that on the back burner because I can't do everything. And I think that's one of the, one of the takeaways that I see not being put into a lot of these productivity methods is the idea that you can't do everything and you can't do it all of the time. And I think that's this difference between 
when you when you read stuff that women write, like if you've ever read Bird by Bird, there's very much this like, here's reality. How much can you do in a day? And you're going to have to put some of that stuff aside. There are things that you're just not going to be able to do. Like, and this comes up, I think, a lot in like NaNoWriMo prep. And that might be because I'm listening to a lot of NaNoWriMo prep stuff. A lot of the podcasts that I listen to are talking a lot about NaNoWriMo. I'm getting this stuff in my inbox. It's like, maybe you don't do the dishes tonight because you're NaNoing. Maybe you do all of your laundry before November starts so that the first week of November, you're not spending uh, that time that you would normally spend doing laundry. You're spending on NaNoWriMo. But it's like the like that sort of thing is very reality based and it's not like the getting things done idea of you can do it all. You just have to make a list so that you can do it all because that's the key. Don't you know, is make a list and then you can do all the things. Um, but the reality is that's not true. No matter how many how how fancy I write my list, no matter how many little like dots and dashes I put next to it, I can't do everything. Because I'm only human. I only have 24 hours in the day. And sometimes I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just tired because work sucked. And, you know, maybe, maybe I came home and my dog peed on the floor, which happens far more often than it really should because he's a horrible dog. Um, or pooped in the fan. Or pooped in the fan. Yes. I still don't understand how he managed to get <laughs> his tiny little butt that high on the fan and spread it's like crop dust. It was just like oh, the horror of the poo on the fan will never go away. Um, but I'm sure no one wants to hear that story. Um, but yeah, you know, like the dog poops on the fan and that just ruins your day. And, you know, if I'm cleaning poop off a fan or actually I, I threw it away. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. If you're throwing away a fan covered in feces, you just, you maybe, maybe you just don't get to something else that day. Because you can't. It's just too much mental bandwidth taken on poop. Um, maybe that should be the show title. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I guess I digress. But like the reality of all of these things is that some of them tell you you can do everything. It's just not a reality. Um, you know, it, it, one of the... Th- um, the interesting sort of like tangents in that dis- that came out of that RSVP discussion was the people behind the people writing these books and writing these stories. And like Henry David Thoreau is always a great example of this because, hey, he God, I love Walden. Walden is has been one of my favorite books, but it's actually very tainted by who HDT was as a man. And he was just not a great human being just not not awesome i i love his writings um but there are reports that like he accidentally set his his town on fire and then watched it burn down while the townsfolk put it out um or the fact that you know he didn't actually clean his cabin which was built on his mother's land and his sister and his mom did his laundry and cooked him food cleaned his cabin And basically took care of him. Right. So this is going back to kind of the root of what people think that we're just like complaining that we have, you know, that women have too much work to do or that, you know, that 
we're just complaining because we don't want to fit into the world as it is. But the fact is that where all the money is in the world was specifically built by and for men who had women at home taking care of them and raising their children. Like that is how the world is, the Western world is constructed. And yeah, Henry David Thoreau wrote Walden while he was living with his mother, you know, and Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations while he was living in his mother's house. And he was dependent on his mother until she died. And then he was dependent on his sister. And the way that things are didn't just happen. It was built specifically to benefit certain people and not to benefit other people. And this is what people, this is what is so hard to get across to some people (laughs) in these conversations is that the inequalities weren't accidental. They were the results of deliberate choices that were made at many, many points Mm -hmm. along the way. And that were, um, that were allowed to flourish because we were specifically ignoring the contributions of many people who were making it happen and devaluing that work. And that's, you know, that's really the root of so many of the problems. And it's why these rants aren't just, they're not just whining and complaining. They are pointing out real things that choices that have been made have disadvantaged people and we need to stop doing it <laughs> and start recognizing where we're doing it and start, you know, start having a little bit of awareness of why things don't work for everyone instead of blaming people for not being able to flourish in a system that was specifically designed for them not to flourish in it. And that's way beyond the essential broness of productivity books. But it's what, yeah. you know, it's what is coming up. It's all of a part. You know, it's the same kind of blindness that leads to things like women being more likely to die in car crashes because the average woman's body is smaller and therefore they have their the seat pulled up farther out of the standard position because we define the word standard position as being the place that the average height man would put the seat. Mm. Like literally the standard position is designed for men. And we say that women are more likely to be, are more likely to be injured because they're pulling out of the standard position. And I'm like, can we hear ourselves when we say that? And mm. I think we're just starting to hear ourselves when we say that, but it's still deeply uncomfortable for many people, including the people that we really need to get the hell on board with fixing the problem. And this is all yeah. part of it. And I will just step off my soapbox now and, and mute my microphone again, <laughs> and you guys can take back over the conversation. Yeah, I think I've I've explored a lot of my thoughts. And I think, I think Lenore, you kind of hit on some of the underlying issues that I see with a lot of these things is, and, and I brought this up 
back in, I think it was episode 23, because I did do a little work to see um, what episode we talked about getting things done. And, and it was all, that was, that was a long time ago. It was in season one. Um, and I think that that's what comes up for me in, again and again is who are the people behind these people who are writing these books? There's always someone behind them. There's always someone helping. There's always someone behind the scenes that makes these things possible. And they don't get a voice in any of these hacks. Even when these hacks have been stolen from them, um, like the, the 55 folders thing, which is it's or 44 folders, sorry, which is a core tenant of getting things done. But it is also a classic filing system that women used in offices right. for yeah. years before getting things done decades. came out. Decades, decades. You know, and maybe longer. As long as women have been secretaries, that they system was put in place. About it. Yeah, they just did it silently and passed it on woman to woman, secretary to secretary. Um, but you know, it's just one of those classic things that it, it got popularized and all of a sudden, you know. Like men are taking the credit or I shouldn't say men. I should say specifically David Allen and getting things done. A couple and, you of know, specific people are getting the credit, but they're partly getting the credit because they can, because it's easier for them to get a voice and a following on things right. because they're men. Like, right. so there's kind of all of that, you know, you have a small chance at any given step, but at any given step in a process, you have a greater chance if you're male. So by the time you get through all of the steps to be the number one leading uh, authority on something, chances are you're a guy. And that's just, again, it's just part of the way the system is built. And, you know, as soon as you say anything about it, you have people really upset that you're implying that they're not self-made. Yeah. And getting very defensive about it. And then you have to deal with things like the hashtag, not all men or the, you know, well, I didn't, well, I did this. Well, you know, you're attacking me personally. And so you can't point out flaws in the system without people feeling personally attacked by it, regardless yeah. of whether it's actually a personal attack or not. And sometimes it is, and it needs to be, but you know, it's, it's, it just becomes so hard to make any headway at all when you're immediately um, dismissed as a punchline, mm. you know, if you're, if you're playing the woman card or playing the race card on something, you know, then you're just, it makes it possible to dismiss you without even having to make a case for it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're getting better. It's getting better. It is. It is. I think more people are getting the credit for the work that they've done and the credit that they deserve. And I can only hope that it's going to continue getting better. But we are nearing the limits of our time. Um, do we have any final thoughts on the broness of productivity? No, I think we covered it pretty well. I think we've gone I'm pretty deep give... on this one. I, I'm going to give uh, productivity book writing uh, a rating of four fist bumps for its bonus. <laughs> All righty. All right. Um, so I guess it's time to do the goodbyes. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone 
for everything that they do, all the comments on our website, the Facebook group really kind of made it click for me that this would be a good topic for us to discuss um, because it did lead to such a rich conversation on on the group on the group site so i just i'm really excited about that it's just so wonderful to have that kind of conversation about something that could be volatile and just have it be amazing and respectful and kind and i just i love that about that facebook group it's just so wonderful it is quite frankly that my fermentation and growing and the gardening groups that I'm in, those are the reasons I'm on Facebook. If I could get rid of everything else and just do Facebook groups, that's all I would do. That's it. That's, that's all I would do. Um, so if you do love the show and you must, if you're still listening to this, um, I ask that you share a link to your favorite episode on your social media. If you feel moved, you can do a rating on whatever your favorite podcast app is. Uh, just let people know that you love us while you love us. All right. And you can find the podcast at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. Um, and you can find also the spectrum chat online. There's a link to it in the show notes You can find me last at comfortable shoes, studio.com. I'm at Facebook at comfortable shoes, studio, Instagram, Twitter, and spectrum as original LLC Harper. Dade, where can the fine folks find you? You can find me at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the weekly pencil. Lenore. And you can find me on Facebook through the RSVP group or through the Erasable Podcast group. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lenore underscore Hoyt. And um, I, I've been trying to do more Twitter, but I haven't been able to like get back on the Instagram bandwagon. So like, I guess I, can, I only have a space for a certain number of things. Um, so thank you so much. Go back to you, Les. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, too. 